afternoon. Just about done with week four. We've got one more game. It's the Monday night game, Pittsburgh Steelers and Cincinnati Bengals. And if you think the NFL doesn't love fantasy football, just look to this Monday night football game between the 0-3 Steelers and the 0-3 Bengals and how many people are going to tune in. And one of the big reasons they'll be doing it is because a lot of fantasy matchups will be decided because of this Monday night football game. Maybe we'll get a little bit more for what's looking like a paltry waiver wire going into week five as well. We're going to talk about that here on this episode of Wire to Wire. I'm your host, Michael Beller, joined by my Wire to Wire co-host, Brandon Funston. Funston, how was your weekend, my man? Uh, not too bad. The football wasn't great, a low-scoring game. And so you mentioned this Monday night game. These two teams haven't played a whole lot of defense. Maybe, as you said, we can add some intrigue into this week's waiver wire with some people that stand up. Maybe Auden Tate steps up. We'll see again. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, it was a low-scoring affair across the board. I was looking at all my fantasy teams going and all my matchups going, man, I might win with this score. I might win with this score. Wow, it's just crazy. Right. It's, it's just like it was in week two where we talked about uh, on this show uh, that you know something like 75 or 80 percent of teams, it seemed like, came in under their projections. Uh, I've seen the same thing in my leagues this week here, and that has led to by far our barest waiver wire of the season. Going to be a lot of names that we've already talked about. Uh, just not a whole lot of guys who uh, came from out of nowhere in week four and jumped up and grabbed larger roles or secured roles that looked like they were maybe already going to have. So uh, it's going to be a week where maybe you sit back on your waiver wire and don't make any aggressive claims because there just aren't a whole lot of guys out there. We'll get to the names in a second. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at mbeller. You can follow Brandon at Brandon Funston. Uh, if you're listening to this on free, you probably already heard us say this by now, but uh, just a reminder, 40% off a subscription uh, to The Athletic for a year if you go to theathletic.com slash wire to wire and you get everything that we offer at The Athletic Podcast, NFL, college football, uh, fantasy, obviously, MLB, NHL, NBA, all the good stuff. We've got it all for you uh, right here at The Athletic. So go ahead, check out The Athletic dot com slash wire to wire uh later this evening uh brandon you're probably uh in the process of editing it or maybe you've already edited it. jake's uh jake seeley's waiver wire column that will go live at midnight eastern time tonight them being monday night so uh always a good thing to pair with this episode of wire to wire as you're sitting down and making your waiver claims and of course jake brandon and i will help you get your week five lineups in order on wednesday when we bring the ranking show to you so check all of that out and again don't forget about that 40 percent off discount uh with that brandon ready to attack the uh, waiver wire for week five ready to do it let's do it all right well uh, as we always do every week here on monday we start out with our top waiver wire picks and again this really uh is going to be pretty bare this week but if there's one guy who is worth making a big claim for, Brandon? It's got to be Ronald Jones. Yeah, 70 yards. I just did a quick uh, look up on Pro Football Reference because I was surprised. He's had 70 rushing yards or more in three or four games so far. He is one of only seven players in the league that can say that at this point. That is tied for the league lead. Uh, you know, only everybody else has, uh, no one's done it four times. So he's tied for the lead, which is surprising. It's kind of snuck up on me, but you're you're right. A guy like that who's, being consistent, putting up rushing yard numbers should not be on the waiver wire. There's not enough of those guys out there for uh, us to be turning our nose at a Ronald Jones and a guy who's getting, what is it, like 50 carries total. So he's he's getting regular, uh, you know, low double-digit carries. Um, 
averaging 23.7 yards per catch as well. The problem is he's only had three catches. It would be <laughs> nice to get him more involved in the passing game, but he is doing some stuff on the ground, and he did get uh, the touchdown as well. He had a great run at the end of the game uh, against the against the Rams where he kind of helped keep the clock moving and just you know was carrying players and, and ran away from the sideline. It looked like he was going to the sideline, and then he turned it upfield and got an extra like 5, 10 yards, so very impressive run on that one as well. Yeah, 19 carries for 70 yards and a touchdown in the upset victory over the Rams for the Buccaneers. Uh, Brandon, we've talked about him a few times on Wire to Wire this season. I think we all agree he's clearly the more talented back than Peyton Barber, and it seems like he's finally starting to carve out a consistent role in the Tampa Bay offense, an offense that has looked a whole lot better over the last two weeks than it did the first two weeks of the season. Uh, If Ronald Jones is getting a consistent 15 carries per game uh, in this offense. What are your expectations for him the rest of the season? Well, they're they're doing pretty well in combination. This is looking like a straight platoon hot hand situation, isn't it to you? Like, I I don't know that Ronald Jones is taking this job over. I don't know if anybody's going to be allowed to do that. I think Mm -hmm. right now, Bruce Arians looks like he's very comfortable working these two uh, completely in tandem. But uh, what's it worth on the waiver wires? Probably, you know, 15 to 20 bucks if you had 100 bucks to play with and no one probably does anymore but uh you know maybe more you gotta it's all about league context but uh i I think you know something around there might be where i'd start thinking about so you're thinking something in like the whatever you've got left 15 to 20 percent range you think he's worth this week uh yeah i would say 20 percent. i think the issue is is how much upside's here with this running game uh how he's not getting you know you're not getting involved in the passing game and maybe that'll change. Uh, they're not scoring a ton on the ground with rushing touchdowns that, you know, I, I haven't looked at the numbers, but I'm guessing predominantly passing TDs have been the score. Uh, Jones has one and, and Barbara has a couple, but mostly uh, it's been through the air with this team. And I expect that's the way it's going to be, but uh, there's a decent amount of scraps here for these running backs so far. And, and yeah, 20, 20% seems about right. Yeah, and, and again, for most leagues, he's going to be really the only guy, I think at least, that you're going to be aggressive on this week uh, if you're looking at the waiver wire. So maybe that factors into what you do as well. Uh, A.J. Brown came up with a, another uh, strong game. We saw him pop off for 100 yards in week one, uh, then went quiet for a couple of weeks, and then here in week four, uh, just three targets, but he made them count, caught them all, 94 yards two touchdowns this is a low value passing game in Tennessee I think we know that's going to be the case and the fact that AJ Brown is one of our top picks Funston to me is more uh, an indictment of what the waiver wire looks like this week than oh my god you need to go out and get AJ Brown yeah we're talking about a guy averaging four targets a week uh I will say the guy he's he's like something different than what you normally see out there at wide receiver and I you know I was thinking that as I was watching him and Michael Salfino said it in his uh, scouting notebook that comes out on Sunday night that he's kind of like this 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 video game like absurd you know caricature of what a receiver is you know in in like this futuristic wide receiver and that's what he is he looks he's massive he's got this big upper body with these big shoulder pads and uh, you know, you saw that in his run after catch ability on Sunday. Uh, he had a couple of really nice plays where he just kind of broke free from the pack and kind of used his physical skills there as well. It showed some nice speed. So there's a lot there to like. Uh, the offense on a week in and week out basis, I don't think is something you're going to like. I don't think Marcus Mariota is going to show us 
what he did on Sunday consistently over and over again because that hasn't been the nature of Mariota. He looks great some weeks. He looks like he's completely lost some weeks. And so uh, don't think that this is going to be a sea change in this Tennessee offense and suddenly you're going to see the floodgates open with this passing game. So, yeah, he's talented enough to be on your roster. I just don't think he's a, a talented enough guy or a, a, it's a good enough situation that you're just going to throw him out there week in and week out. You're going to have to probably play the matchups with, with, with him and look at your buy depth situation as well. Yeah, I agree entirely. This is a depth receiver, a guy who's talented enough and has enough of a role in this Tennessee offense to be someone who warrants being on a roster in, in a lot of leagues. Uh, but the offense itself is so low value that he's never going to be someone who you're comfortable starting unless it is a situation where you know, two or three of your regulars are out because of buy or injury or whatever it might be. Uh, so to me, this is a guy who, uh, if I'm looking for some depth, uh, be it receiver, or be it just general flex depth, you know, maybe I'll throw two bucks at on the waiver wire this week. And, and if I miss out on him, I'm, I'm really not too disappointed. Yeah. And this is going to be one of those ones, like if you don't play in a fab league, but you play in a waiver priority league, where you just let somebody else chase yep. those numbers and then you just move, you know, move up in your priority for the following week. Cause there'll probably be somebody else that maybe will be more regularly impactful for you. Yeah. Waiver wire, uh, uh, value is not evenly distributed through the season. There are always going to be weeks like this. It happens to be week four going into week five for the 2019 season where there just isn't a ton of guys out there that you're really going to want to chase with any sort of, uh, abandon here. Uh, a couple of guys that we've talked about often on wire to wire, uh, round out our top picks, uh, guys coming back from suspension in New York city. We got golden Tate this week. Chris Herndon next week. Four game suspensions for both of them, but the Jets had a bye in week four. So Chris Herndon's got one more game to serve. Golden Tate, however, will make his Giants debut in week five. Uh, the, the Giants playing the Minnesota Vikings at home. So a, a tough matchup, certainly. Uh, but Golden Tate, uh, he, he's right against the threshold uh, that we talk about uh, across the fantasy industry, high 40%. So uh, a lot of you listening, maybe you can't grab him right now. But to me, Funston, uh, he's the other guy who I put with Ronald Jones. If he's sitting out there in any league, even shallow leagues, I think he absolutely has to be owned because you know, Daniel Jones has been at least competent uh, in his two games as the starter. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. I mean, this is going to be a team that's going to have to throw the ball regularly. And right now, you know, um, Sterling Shepard's kind of sort of establishing himself as the go-to wide receiver. But I think, uh, you know, Golden Tate gets back in time to certainly get in there and, and vie for that role. And Golden Tate's been a guy that – Detroit was a regular 90-plus catch guy, 1,000 yards, great in PPR formats. Last year was a little bit uneven. He still put up, you know, right at 800 yards and 75 catches. That was between Detroit and Philadelphia. And and like I said, you know, it takes a little while to kind of settle in. But, uh, yeah, I think, you know, um, I think he's – this Sterling Shepard, Evan Ingram, Golden Tate, this offense will be able to support – three guys pretty solidly, uh, you know, at least on a PPR level, maybe not huge upside numbers in terms of yards and touchdowns from these guys, but I think they're going to be regular in terms of reception compilers. Yeah, they're going to get in one another's way every now and again. That's for sure going to be true. But uh, three guys who I think, uh, as long as you don't own two of them, uh, you're probably going to start whoever you have among these Giants pass catchers, uh, even with Tate coming back and likely siphoning some volume away from Shepard and uh, Ingram. We had Dan Duggan, our um, uh, Giants beat reporter, on podcast by committee last week, and he said that he really thinks it's going to be a three-man show between these three guys and that while 
you know, there might be a little bit less volume to go around for Shepard and Ingram, that it's really going to be, you know, Benny Fowler, Darius Slayton, guys like that who are seeing their targets basically zeroed out. Uh, and Tate, Ingram, and Shepard all being guys who can put up something in the neighborhood of eight targets per game. So definitely enough value there, I think, for all three of these guys to be consistent fantasy starters. Uh, Keep an eye on Chris Herndon as well, as we said, back in week six. uh, And a guy who we've talked about him enough here. We don't really need to go over him, but Brandon and I both believe is going to be someone who at the very least is on that low-end tight end one, high-end tight end two border, a stream guy at uh, at the worst every single week. So someone who uh, definitely could be worth grabbing and and trusting as a week in week out starter. Uh, With that, we'll move to our position by position. Look at the waiver wire. And again, I I hate to be the bearer of bad news if you need some help, uh, but you're just not going to find a ton of it this week. Funston, let's start with um, the the Marlon Mack injury Uh, left that game. uh, Colts surprising loss to the Raiders at home with an ankle injury. We don't have any news yet on the severity. Hopefully we will uh, going into uh, when we really need to make our waiver picks uh, by Tuesday evening. Uh, Are are you putting any sort of value on Jordan Wilkins and Naheem Hines uh, going into this waiver period? Well, this will be interesting because – and I don't know the the situation, but Mac was dealing with a calf injury, uh, you know, earlier and you know the week before, and you wonder if there's you know there's a compensation injury here with the ankle, you know, um, but I could see Marlon Mack. It just might be time for them to give him a game or two off, and we've seen this with Marlon Mack uh, before. So um, Jordan Wilkins is a guy that always impressed me. Not a not a, a game breaking type of talent, but just a solid kind of good vision um, kind of guy. And I think he would be interesting if Marlon Max out. Um, well, you got, so the deal is you got Kansas city coming up. If Marlon Max out, it's not a bad, it's not a bad place to have a plug and play running back. And then you have the buy and then you would expect, unless, you know, unless this is a lot more serious than we think that Marlon Mack will be back. So this is shaping up to be kind of like a one week plug and play, but if Marlon Max out against Kansas city, that's going to be a pretty nice one week plug and play. Yeah, and we've got uh, what the the Lions and the Dolphins on by this week. So uh, obviously the Dolphins aren't going to take too much away from the uh, fantasy community. But hey, uh, Kenny Galladay, Carryon uh, Johnson, those guys are regular starters. Uh, Matthew Stafford certainly off the board uh, as a streaming candidate. So uh, if you are a Carryon Johnson starter and you do feel like you need um, some sort of uh, short-term value, one of these guys could be that uh, guy for you should Marlon Mack need to have a, a couple of weeks rest here. But again, not neither of these guys someone who you should be going after too aggressively, burning any significant resources or waiver priority on unless we hear uh, something significant about Marlon Mack that we're really not expecting to hear. Uh, 49ers were on by last week. They come back here in week five. Raheem Mostert uh, still remains out there despite his strong start to the season in a uh, large enough number of leaks for us to talk about him as a waiver wire target. The thing, though, Funston, is that this already crowded backfield is going to get even more crowded, if not this week, than likely in week six. Tevin Coleman uh, is on the mend from his ankle injury. Sounds like he's going to be back in the very near future. Could be as early as this week. Uh, But again, probably no later than week six at the absolute latest week seven. Uh, And that throws a monkey wrench into Raheem Mustard's uh, value going forward. Yeah, it absolutely does. It's too bad because San Francisco by a long shot is leading in in backfield fantasy point production. Um, 
well ahead of Los Angeles Chargers, who are number two. The problem is they're splitting this three ways. And from what I hear, it sounds like they really like Jeff Wilson as their goal line guy. And uh, that that probably won't change even with Kevin Coleman coming back. I will see about that. But uh, what it really means is Mostert, you know, I just don't see where he can figure into this mix uh, if Kevin Coleman is back in the lineup. So maybe you get another week or two, um, but it's a very short window. Again, you're talking about, you know, thinking about him in terms of guys like Jordan Wilkins who might get a start here coming up. Um, you know, you maybe got a, a game or two left of life here, but you know, another week, another injury, things can change quickly. So you got to always keep these guys on your radar at the least. Yeah. Another guy who uh, we're going to be saying this quite a bit, a uh, dollar, maybe $2 in fab leagues. Definitely is not someone you're burning any significant waiver priority on in waiver priority leagues. And that's really where Raheem Mostert sits going into week five. We got a couple of other uh, semi-interesting names I want to talk about as running backs uh, quickly. I'll just mention Alexander Madison and Tony Pollard. Uh, right now, are you seeing any value for those guys beyond Dalvin Cook and Ezekiel Elliott handcuffs? No, I wouldn't, but I would have those guys owned for that reason uh, alone. And I just think that there's, there, you know, if we're ranking the one injury away running backs in the league, mm-hmm. these guys are going to be right at the top of the list. And that's yeah. what you got to be thinking about. You know, if you have, if you have a bench spot to play with, there's no reason not to throw a lottery ticket like this on there. And these are one of the biggest payoff lottery tickets you can find. I mean, they're probably one and two on that list, aren't they? I think so. I, Madison would be my, my number one. I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, uh, Pollard would be two. I think maybe like a Rashad Penny or someone like yeah, that. Yeah, sure. Look, Penny could you know, be in or, there. Or even, or even like a Gus Edwards. But you got to look at the, the run-heavy teams, the teams that run the ball really well. And then if the guy that's leading those charges goes down, is there going to be kind of a, a single guy that takes over that role? Because a lot of times a guy will go down and they'll just start piecemealing that role up. And I think with Pollard and Madison, what you'd see is that they would they would basically inherit a bell cow role. So wherever you can find good rushing offenses where the injury happens and they create a new bell cow out of it, out of it those are the guys you're going to want. And speaking of lottery tickets, what sort of situation would you have to be in to throw some waiver wire love this week at Jay Ajayi? Uh, Ian Rappaport from NFL Network reported that uh, Ajayi's knee is fully healed uh, from last year's ACL surgery. Uh, Got to believe that he's going to draw at least some interest uh, as a free agent right now. But again, as we're seeing with you know, people who have rostered A.J. Green all season and people who have rostered Kareem Hunt all season. It's a nice move in theory, but in practice, it just feels sort of like burning up a roster spot for nothing really to get out of it. Yeah, I just I just think back to when he was with Philadelphia, I just felt like he had already started to lose a little something there. So, um, you know, now going through ACL injury and, and, and back, like I don't expect him to be above where he was in Philadelphia when I wasn't that excited about him uh, to begin with. But I'm looking around the league and – where do they absolutely need somebody? Maybe it's Miami, you know, I mean, yeah. go back, maybe go back to where you started. But um, other, other than that, like, I, I don't think he goes to a situation and takes over. He just muddies a situation. And so you kind of just want him to stay away because I mean, he doesn't, he's not going to help anything out in terms of fantasy. He might only just make it worse. Uh, that is, unless he goes to Miami where uh, who cares, right? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, where yeah. Uh, yeah, where fantasy points go to die. So. Yeah, exactly. And, and the shocking thing is, is that that's really going to do it for our look at running backs here in week five. Uh, again, this might be a week that you want to sit out the waiver wire. Let's move on to the wide receiver position. Uh, we saw some signs of life from Geronimo Allison in uh, week four. This was way back on Thursday. Got to remember all the way back uh, to the Packers loss to the Eagles and uh, the Thursday night football game. But Geronimo Allison had four targets in that game. Caught three of them for 52 yards and a touchdown. Uh, for me, Funston, he is you know like A.J. Brown, a, a guy who is depth, who I will maybe throw a dollar at if I need some uh, wide receiver help, and that's really it. Uh, do you see this any differently? Yeah, no, I don't see it a whole lot differently, and I'm sure it's easy for a Bears fan to think back all the way to Thursday's uh, Packers <laughs> loss. But uh, it is. I, I'm looking at this offense, and I'd much rather have a guy like MVS who is getting consistent targets, Agreed. not – you know, he's getting, you know, he's 47 yards or better in three or four weeks, uh, getting the, getting more of the receptions, more of the looks, and that you really want to follow the volume there. And it looks like Allison is a clear number three uh, in terms of the passing game for Green Bay. And so, yeah, I, I think this is going to be a hit and miss kind of a situation for Geronimo Allison. You look at the matchups when it looks good or, you know, even diving into when you, you know, got a particular corner that looks good that he might be able to pick on. Maybe that works out for you. But as we go through the bye weeks, I think he's bye week filler and somebody you're not really going to get rich with. How much does that change if we get word over the next 36 hours that Devontae Adams' toe injury is something that's going to keep him out for an extended period? I think that changes it a lot, right? Because And then you assume the MVS probably is the number one guy. And then, you know, Allison has a decent history with, Aaron Rodgers they've had their moments where they've had nice little you know multi-week runs together and I would expect that Allison would be the number two guy there you know it was interesting though Jimmy Graham got a lot more involved in this last game we'll see where where that goes as well but um, I think that that would thrust Allison into a a guy that you would have to have uh, I think in most every 12 team league at least as a guy that's on the bench as an option I think he would have that much juice at that point. Agreed. The uh, Devontae Adams injury situation is the one to watch most intently uh, for the waiver wire, even more so than Marlon Mack, just because it really doesn't sound like that Mack thing is anything that keeps him out for any significant amount of time. Whereas uh, this Devontae Adams toe issue could be something that does have him out for a couple of weeks and would make Geronimo Allison and Marquez Valdez Scantling, uh, for those of you in shallower leagues, uh, much more intriguing fantasy plays over the next couple of weeks, depending on what goes down with that Devontae Adams situation. Uh, Mohamed Sanu coming through for the second straight game. Got 12 targets from Matt Ryan. A game where Matt Ryan threw for nearly 400 yards and zero touchdowns uh, in a Falcons loss to the Titans. Uh, Sanu turned those 12 targets into nine catches for 91 yards. It was the second straight quiet game for Calvin Ridley. Uh, Last week, we talked about Sanu as another one of these guys. Depth receiver, Maybe he starts for you a week or two when you're hit by buys or injuries. Are we rethinking that, or do we just think that he is still that guy with maybe a tiny bit more value after what he did in week four? Yeah, maybe a t- still that guy, tiny bit more value. Um, but look, he's in his fourth season in Atlanta. We know who Muhammad Sanu is. Uh, he's the same receiver that he was in Cincinnati. You mm-hmm. know, I think he's a seven to eight hundred yard receiver, and with you know maybe four to five touchdowns when the dust settles. I don't know that it's appreciably different after a couple of good games. I, I feel like this is probably replicating something he's done not too long ago in the in his Atlanta past, uh, where he got hot for a, for a minute and then settled in. I mean, he's a great blocker. He's a good guy to have out there. Um, 
but the talent less rests in Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. I'd rather bet on those guys uh, on a more consistent basis. I think the, the, the question becomes, if I need a receiver, do I want Geronimo Allison or Mohamed Sanu? Because I'd kind of put their value in a similar range. Sure. Yeah, that's totally fair. And I think the point you make about him being a blocker and a better real-life player than he is fantasy player, a well-taken one. It does mean he's going to be out there a lot. He's going to be on the field a lot, and that's going to get him some targets. But, uh, again, of the receivers we've talked about so far, Allison and going back to uh, Golden Tate and A.J. Brown, I think Sanu is easily the fourth of those four and might be the fifth of the five and the sixth of the sixth, even with these next two guys. I think these two guys uh, uh, who I'm going to group together just because uh, they might have some sneaky value over the next couple of weeks uh, could be someone who you think about in deeper leagues uh, right off the bat. Cole Beasley, 13 targets in the Bills loss to uh, the Patriots on Sunday, seven grabs for 75 yards. Now it's 36 targets on the season. Uh, Cole Beasley is never going to be a, a guy who is putting up these gaudy numbers but the targets are always there for him and that didn't change even with the injury to Josh Allen we'll see what happens with him and if he's able to uh, play this week for the Bills uh, but either way Cole Beasley someone who's getting enough targets and has a high enough catch rate that I think he's got to be owned in half PPR full PPR formats yeah I think he's one of those guys that is never going to win a week for you. He's never going to lose a week for you. And sometimes those guys just have value, just knowing you can plug them in as one of your last spots in your active roster this week. And like, oh, he's just going to get me that that mid-level production that I need to kind of hold serve. And you're going to look at Colby's numbers and, and you know, they're going to probably be a lot like, uh, maybe like a middle-class version of what you used to get from Golden Tate, right? Mm-hmm. Like not, not full Golden Tate, but, you know, maybe 75 80 catches, 800 yards, something like that. And, you know, there's when, it, when it's all said and done, he's going to show that he's had back-end wide receiver value uh, over, you know, over the course of a season. And depending on what your roster looks like, there, there are for sure fantasy teams out there where Cole Beasley is a better play than John Ross, right? Right, right. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, and it's well, just you, that- you, you throw that out there as we go into a game yeah, on, on Monday night where John Ross is fully prepared to burn you. In that oh, season. my God. I just, yeah, I'm sorry if you're playing against John Ross tonight because I pretty much just set myself up to get destroyed <laughs> by him. And now he's going to go for like eight for 146 and two touchdowns. Oh. And I'm going to be, people are, are going to be listening to this on Tuesday. And I'm going to be sounding like an idiot saying, you'd rather have those. 10 Cole Beasley targets that he's going to turn into six catches for 62 yards than John Ross, who just went off for 150 and two, right? I mean, that makes sense, doesn't it? Well, so you're the producer of the show. There's a very good chance that this never, uh, you know, this this suddenly (laughs) disappears. Like, I don't, what happened to the recording of this? It disappeared. Tuesday morning, if that happens, I'm sneaking back into this and it's good. There's going to be the most awkward cut from one, uh, from one topic to the next, uh, where people are going to be able to tell there's something missing but they're not exactly sure what it is. But uh, if you're listening to this on Monday evening, you'll know it's it's the John Ross talk. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other guy who I was referencing was Zach Pascal. Uh, this has everything to do with T.Y. Hilton's quad injury, but he was the leading receiver for the uh, Colts. Four catches, seven targets, 72 yards. Uh, I guess we don't really know who to bet on in a world where T.Y. Hilton is out for any sort of uh, meaningful length of time. Paris Campbell also got hurt uh, in this game. But I just can't really get on board with Zach Pascal as anything other than very short-term value. 
Yeah, but it could be great short-term value because we're talking about the Chiefs this week. And so if you were to not have T.Y. Hilton and Paris Campbell available, suddenly it becomes a little easier to figure out what to make of this situation. Then Zach Pascal and maybe Deion Kane become people that we have to get on board with because you know with Kansas City, uh, you know, there's going to be throwing, there's going to be points uh, put up, and you want to have some kind of action on that if it's available to you. And so, yeah, maybe maybe we don't see T.Y. again this week, and suddenly Zach Pascal in a, in a good matchup is a good one-week play if you do have like a Kennedy Galladay or somebody like that, and you need to find somebody to plug in. So we'll see how that plays out. Yeah, don't, uh, don't put too much stock into him, but definitely if you uh, need some short-term help, he's someone who could do that for you in week five. A couple of pairs of... Uh, uh, teammates I want to discuss before we move on to the tight end position. Uh, Devontae Parker and Preston Williams in Miami. Debo Samuel and Dante Pettis in San Francisco. We'll start with the Dolphins. Uh, Parker, four catches on four targets for 70 yards and a touchdown in week four. Preston Williams didn't do a whole lot, but got seven more targets, up to 40 targets on the season. He's still my Dol- preferred Dolphin receiver if I'm going to go after a Dolphin. Uh, and we know this team's going to have to throw a whole lot. Josh Rosen had some flashes in this game against the Chargers. I still think that there's uh, some value here in Preston Williams that the fantasy community isn't fully latching onto just yet. Yeah. And I've always kind of carried a torch for Devonte Parker. So I don't think either one of those answers is completely wrong. Parker it's, you know, uh, he's, he's, he's been a bit of a fantasy tease talent tease. Um, but you can see the talent there. Preston Williams, talented guy as well. And I'm going to come back to Albert Wilson as I think yep. somebody they, they need in that mix is somebody it's a little bit less of a vertical threat and more of a horizontal threat, a guy they can use uh, across the field from side to side. And I think that really helps this offense out a lot. And I think all these guys can be interesting and productive in that world because uh, most weeks they are going to have to throw an awful lot. There's going to be a lot of garbage time here available for these guys. And I can see where Parker and Will and Williams might just go back and forth a bit, but I can see Albert Wilson once he's fully healthy, being the one who's maybe a little bit more consistent on a week in and week out basis. How about Samuel and Pettis? I'm actually intrigued by Pettis because of what he was last year uh, and had that second round pedigree uh, last year as a rookie, uh, did nothing obviously, and, and was one of the uh, real dogs of the summer, uh, but got five targets in his game, not last week, two weeks ago, excuse me, the 49ers on bye this past week, uh, and scored a touchdown in it. Uh, just 20 yards, so just four, four catches for 20 yards, but the five targets in the touchdown combined with what he was for this team last year and what we thought he could be for, that, for uh, this team this year uh, has me a little bit intrigued. He just feels like, again, if it, we're talking about all these guys, and these are all depth guys who you're Almost certainly, there's like a 99% chance that every single receiver we've talked about, you are never comfortable starting and that you're only going to be turning to them for depth purposes. However, if you told me right now, Funston, that of all the receivers we've talked about, that one of them is going to be a top 30 or 40 receiver the rest of the season, I would say Dante Pettis has the best chance. Yeah, because we've seen him basically do it. You're right. And, And maybe last year was a little bit more out of necessity, but I've also seen... I've also seen some calls for maybe Marquise Goodwin being the guy that should be, you know, getting less run and Mm -hmm. Dante Pettis and Debo Samuel should be the two leading this uh, passing game. And I think that's still being sorted out, but I think Dante Pettis is as talented. uh, You know, I I actually, I would, I would, I would say Debo Samuel is a guy I think has the most upside overall, um, at least in terms of fantasy, but, but I, I would put Dante Pettis's talents above Marquise Goodwin. So when they feel, 
like they're at a point where they completely trust Pettis. And I know that that's been something that uh, Pettis has had to work on with Shanahan. Um, I would not be surprised if it's Samuel and Pettis that are kind of leading the charge uh, in the second half of the season or maybe even sooner than that. Yeah, and so that's why, again, if you're going to be doing anything on the waiver wire this week uh, and you're shooting for any sort of upside, I think Pettis is a guy who, like, of all these guys we've talked about, uh, you know, I'm going to be taking a pass on a lot of them in a lot of leagues because, quite frankly, the guys who I have in my roster are better than any of these guys. But Pettis is someone who at least has some identifiable, viable upside, and that makes him somewhat intriguing, even though we really haven't seen a ton from him uh, so far this season. Uh, anyone else at the wide receiver position you want to talk about, Funston? The answer can be no. Again, this is a yeah. The a answer is no. Yeah, <laughs> the answer is no. I think so. Uh, yeah, we can go ahead and move on to tight ends if you're ready to do that. Yeah, let's do that and let's uh, let you pat yourself on the back a little bit. Uh, and this now it wasn't in this. Know. It's a victory lap. We'll see. I don't know. I, that's why. That's why I said a little bit, Funston. Okay. I didn't say okay. like you know Barry Horowitz yourself. You can pat yourself <laughs> on the back a little bit here uh, with Noah Fant. Uh, you talked about him as uh, you know starting to build a a meaningful role in Denver's offense he scored uh that was his first touchdown of his career right in, in that yep, game uh that first was. touchdown of his career uh for uh, the Denver Broncos uh just two catches on four targets for 31 yards and that touchdown um are you seeing him as someone with any sort of uh meaning or uh, sticking value here after what he did uh, in that loss to the Jaguars yeah I think what you saw in that touchdown is what what you have to like about Noah fan, it was a, it was basically kind of like a, a short screen pass that they turned, you know, he turned into a long game with yards after uh, the catch. And that's kind of, you know, what, what separates him from the rest of the tight end pack with, with maybe a few exceptions is, is that ability. And so I think you're going to see that continue more and more. He's already getting the snap count that you like to see. I mean, he's clearly the number one tight end in terms of snaps in Denver's offense. We have a history with Joe Flacco where we've seen him work well with his tight ends in, in the past. And I would expect that, you know, relationship between these two to continue to grow. I, I don't like the four targets. I don't like the two catches in this one, but this is the fourth straight game in which he's got 30 yards, you know, and he's kind of basically on pace for a 500 yard season, which is what Chris Herndon did last year, which, which, which makes us excited about Chris Herndon this year. And, um, that was a that was a tight end top fifteen tight end last year in Herndon. I think Fant can can be even better than that. Uh, he's already on a nice start. He's already started a little bit more consistently than a guy like Herndon did last year. Um, and I think in this offense, I can see him getting more and more runs. So he's interesting to me. I if if I'm so and I can say this because I have a few teams where I was kind of toiling with Trey Burton and and he's gone, you know, and <laughs> and I've already started flipping them flipping teams to Noah Fant in a couple of those leagues. And so if you're still one of those people out there, or maybe you know you had a TJ Hawkinson and he's hurt, and we'll see what his situation is, but he's been way less consistent. I, I would go for a guy uh, in Noah Fant getting a lot of snaps and at least getting something each and every week. I think Herndon is a great comp and not, uh, you know, like what they actually have their styles of play or, or what they bring to the table, but what Herndon's fantasy value was last year, where he eventually became this consistent stream candidate at the tight end position, a guy who we always talked about in that way, where he came into every week with like a top, with like a, you know, a 10 to 12 ceiling and a 18 to 22 floor and those are the sort of guys who are always going to be discussed 
in the stream conversation at the very least. And I think that's where Noah Fant sits right now. And I agree with you. If you're in uh, a two tight end league or any sort of, you know, 14 or 16 team league, then I think Noah Fant is right now worth owning because of that floor and because of what he could become in this Denver offense. Uh, so uh, kudos to you. Uh, we're not letting you take the full victory lap, but uh, you, know, you, can, you, can, you can run half of it and walk half of it. Yeah, well, you know what? I ranked him tight end 12, and he's tight end 9 right now. So I, I feel really good about that. I don't feel good about the way in which he did it. You know, it would have been right. a little bit more of a victory lap if he would have went, like, you know, six catches for 90 yards. I would have rather that. Of course. Like that. Yeah, so there you go. Yeah, it's a much better uh, long-term uh, projection value uh, in in catches and targets and yards than there are in touchdowns. But, hey, however you get it done, you get it done, although now you just tempted fate as well, and we're going to see, you know, like <laughs> some sort of huge uh, Tyler Eifert, Vance McDonald if he plays, C.J. Uzoma if he plays. All the tight ends tonight are going to come through. There's going to be like five of them pushing, <laughs> pushing way down the list. There yeah. you go. <laughs> um, one other tight end who I want to talk about, Gerald Everett, a guy who I, we've always been wanting to be a little bit more a part of the Rams offense. Now, obviously, the Rams are the number one 11 personnel team in the league. They're always going to have three wide receivers out there, as they should when you've got a trio like Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, and Brandon Cooks. But uh, Gerald Everett is a big-time athlete, uh, someone who can uh, be an effective pass catcher uh, really in any offense and certainly in one like the Rams. And we saw that on display uh, on Sunday. Five grabs on eight targets, 44 yards and a touchdown. And the thing that intrigues me about uh, Gerald Everett Funston beyond uh, the athleticism is that if you combine tight, all tight end targets in LA, uh, you know, if you take Everett's targets and add them to Tyler Higby's, we've got a couple of games where they've hit eight plus. Uh, and so if Everett can become a guy who hogs all those targets, then maybe he is like Fant uh, in the stream discussion at the very least for the rest of the season. Oh man, I think you kind of said it well, I mean, it's like we, I've I've wanted Gerald Everett uh, to do so. I, I've I've chased this guy in fantasy for multiple weeks at a time, and just said, okay, uh, you know, enough's enough. And then when they signed Tyler Higby to their the deal, I was like, oh, they're gonna they're just gonna continue on with the same kind of tight end platoon where one is you know cannibalizing from the other, and it's just gonna be a bummer. And then you'll have these games like this. Uh, you know, where he, where Everett goes out and catches five balls for 44 yards and a touchdown. And there was a stretch. I was watching that game where Everett was all over the place. And yeah. I was like, wow, it was very he had like three straight targets. I want to yeah. say like three straight catches. Yeah. But I just know long-term you're going to get too much Higby in some weeks. You're going to get in a lot of weeks, not some weeks, a lot of weeks, you're going to get not enough of either, you know, yeah. and it's just going to be frustrating. So He's the kind of guy when I'm really in a in a pinch at tight end because of a buy or something, and I just need to throw a flyer. I'm always willing to throw that flyer his way because he has the athleticism to do something big, and we've seen him flash in the past. So I'm kind of still there on him. Like I'm not ready to yeah. think this is anything more than that. I'm with you there. I mean, the, the floor here from week to week is literally zero targets. Mm-hmm. I mean, l- quite literally, there are gonna, there could be games where Gerald Everett does not have a pass thrown his way from Jared Goff. And then the realistic, like his 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 mean outcome is going to be like two catches for 23 yards. So there still is not a ton of value here. Uh, there's a good chance that we just saw the best game he's going to have all season uh, in week four in a game where there were almost 100 points scored between the Buccaneers and the Rams. So 
he's not someone who we're really jumping at all, but uh, I would say he's placed himself on the stream radar. And again, if that is not the perfect guy to basically wrap up our discussion for the week five waiver wire, I don't know who is. Uh, It's Ronald Jones and a whole lot of nothing here uh, this week. Really quick before we talk about quarterbacks to stream, or I guess these guys could fit in to the quarterbacks to stream discussion. Uh, We saw a couple of season debuts um maybe Dwayne Haskins no Dwayne Haskins didn't get I was gonna say maybe he got in some mop-up duty but he didn't so we saw a couple of uh season debuts for quarterbacks in week four Dwayne Haskins uh taking over for an ineffective case Keenum uh he did not look too great through three interceptions in Washington's loss to the Giants and then Chase Daniel taking over for an injured uh Mitchell Trubisky uh who who left on the third play of Bears Vikings with an injury to his non-throwing shoulder, getting further tests on that here today. Uh, We should have some word on how severe this injury is for Trubisky uh, very soon here. The Bears go to London in week four to play the Raiders, and then they've got their bye in week six. Already sounds like it's going to be Chase Daniel for sure in week five, and we'll see if we get Trubisky back shortly after the bye. Um, These two guys, obviously, uh, no, no value in one quarterback leagues. QB three value in uh, super flex and two QB leagues. Are you seeing anything that gives you any confidence in either of these guys as someone who could uh, outperform expectations? Well, I, I don't, I don't hate chase Daniel uh, at Oakland this week. It's actually in London. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think if you, you know, needed a quarterback in two quarterback leagues, I don't, I would definitely be going his way over Haskins against new England and, you know, Haskins, it's tough when it, when a rookie gets plugged into his first game and it's in its midway and through the game. I know the giants are, uh, you know, a, one of the softest passing defenses out there, but you know, all bets are off in that kind of a situation. And you got a guy in Haskins who only had one year as a starter in college. So he's pretty inexperienced. And so you can, you can expect that maybe that would be the case, but Daniel, he's been around a long time. He's not, doesn't have a big arm, um, but you know, he's an accurate guy. He's smart. And you feel like Matt Nagy smart enough to make use of that, especially against this Oakland defense. So there might be something there, at least for one week in Chase Daniel for me. Yeah, took care of the ball against a uh, you know pretty strong Minnesota defense in the Bears win on Sunday. Went 22 for 30. So first of all, didn't change the offense. <laughs> it was still yeah. an offense. I mean, Matt Nagy still turned right into that passing game. 30 pass attempts for Chase Daniel in a game that the Bears won 16 to 6. Uh, 195 yards, six and a half yards per attempt, and a touchdown pass to Tariq Cohen, uh, zero interceptions. So, yeah, a guy who uh, uh, could be a deep league quarterback one uh, for you next week and uh, maybe in Superflex League, someone you trust as a quarterback too with the Bears and Raiders meeting in London. That takes us to our quarterback stream discussion. Maybe Haskins, maybe Daniel fit in, but uh, I think we can find a little bit better options than that for one QB leagues. Who's your favorite quarterback to stream here in week five, Brandon? Yeah, we'll see how he does on Monday night, but I got to go back to the red rifle well here with Andy Dalton. Um, Look at 36 pass attempts was his season low. That came in week three against Buffalo at Buffalo. He still put up 250 yards, ran for a touchdown that game, threw for a touchdown, put up better fantasy points in that game than we saw Tom Brady uh, do against these Bills this past week. So Andy Dalton, one of the highest volume quarterbacks in the league, um, up at 326 yards per game. And then you just, you know, you like the matchup against this Arizona Cardinals defense. He's on a nice, he's in a nice two week run here against Pittsburgh and Arizona in terms of 
uh, secondaries and what they've allowed. So Arizona is a team that you can put up points against, and they'll have them at home in week five. I really like that. Yeah, Dalton, an excellent guy to stream, and I got a feeling he's going to be one of the most popular DFS plays uh, in week five as well, going up against the fast-paced lightly uh light defense arizona cardinals uh not a whole lot of hurdles to clear there uh to have yourself a good game andy dalton gonna be a popular guy certainly in week five i'm gonna go someone who uh might probably isn't very popular right now uh but i really think that week five could be a good one for him it's Kirk cousins believe it or not i'm gonna back Kirk cousins as a guy to stream in week five we've talked about the giants being a soft matchup all season long uh they remain that even for a guy like cousins even on the road as the vikings will be next week uh adam Thielen is complaining about the offense uh stefan diggs has uh, voiced his concern with where this offense is headed and i think adam Thielen put it put it very well that eventually uh, the way the the game is played today the way the nfl is doesn't matter how good your defense is doesn't matter who you've got in your backfield you're going to have to hit some big plays through the air if you're going to be a competitive team. Uh, you know, Adam Thielen wasn't necessarily talking trash about anyone. He's just, I think, being honest and putting presenting the facts uh, as we know them to be for the NFL in 2019. And I think there's going to be some uh, squeaky wheel and grease happening in this game uh, for the Vikings. I think we're going to see a little bit more of the passing game come to life against the Giants and say what you will about the way they've looked this season. And you can say a whole lot of bad, but uh, Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs remain two very talented wide receivers who are going to be dangerous against a bad Giants defense. So I'm willing to uh, to roll the dice here on Kirk Cousins. Do you think that's crazy? No, and I'm I, I agree with you. I'm a big uh, believer in the squeaky wheel gets the grease theory. So uh, I I go to that church and I, <laughs> and so, I I actually was thinking the same thing that you know what I would not be surprised if we see them open things up a little bit more this week against the Giants. I don't think that's a terrible call at all. Yeah, it, 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 like Thielen said, it almost has to happen. I mean, they can't keep playing it the way they've been playing it, can they? No, and and as soon as you start to get uh, disharmony, you know, when you have these games like this, I think it kind of helps them, you know, kind of take stock of where they're at and say, yeah, we're being a little bit, we got a little bit overboard. We got mm-hmm. a little bit drunk on our, you know, on our success of running the ball early on. And we do want to be predominantly a running team, but I, you know, even in Seattle where they preach running all the time, Pete Carroll gets very mad. If you, if you, you know, bring that up. He's like, we're a balanced team. We're all about balance. And I think if you ask most coaches, that's where they want to be. They want to be a balanced team. That's a threat running the ball, but also a threat throwing the ball. So, you know, if you want to show yourself as a threat throwing the ball, what a better week to do it than, you know, against the giants. Yeah. And follow the money in an American axiom since uh, the uh, <laughs> mid seventies there for uh, reasons we don't need to get into on wire to wire. Um, the uh, uh, Kirk cousins, Stefan Diggs, Adam Thielen, all these guys have been paid by Minnesota over the last couple of years. I think it's time for that offense to follow the money and give a little bit more love to its passing game. Let's wrap this up with uh, defenses to stream in week five. Who's a, who's a team that you're looking at that's widely available this week? Yeah, I'm going to go with the Tennessee Titans at home against the Buffalo Bills. And so they're they're a widely available defense still. They are top seven in fantasy points, uh, at least in Yahoo and and some of the other scoring systems I've noted, they are number seven defense in scoring, and they face a Buffalo Bills offense that has been the fourth most generous to opposing defenses. I don't think that changes if it's Matt Barkley over Josh Allen. Uh, not at least from what I saw visually, Matt Barkley seemed to be a giver as well. <laughs> uh, 
And so I would expect this to be a very nice matchup for this Tennessee defense and conducive to fantasy points for them as well. Yeah, I think that's a a great call in a team that uh, I think is going to be more widely owned as the season goes on, given the way that they've played defensively this season. Uh, I'm going to go to a team that uh, I'll give you two because my first one is right up against that threshold. So just in case you can't get the New Orleans Saints, I'll give you a backup. But if the Saints are available in your league, uh, I love them as a defense to stream in week five. They play the Buccaneers. The Buccaneers have looked a whole lot better on offense uh, the last couple of weeks. They just went into Los Angeles and put up what? Like, I mean, there was a defensive touchdown there, so they but they put up what forty seven offensive points uh, on the Rams on the road. So uh, an offense that always had talent that is starting to you know finally find its way in year one under Bruce Arians, but. Jameis Winston is still going to make his fair share of mistakes. You can still get after him uh, in the backfield. And this Saints defense has looked pretty great. They absolutely shut down the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday night football in week four uh, completely. That defensive line owned that game. I mean, that, that those front four guys in New Orleans won the game for the Saints. Those four in uh, Will Lutz uh, doing the dirty work for the Saints uh, in their win over the Cowboys. So I think they can, at the very least, even if they give up you know 20 or 24 points to this Tampa Bay offense, I think they've got a couple of sacks and a couple of takeaways in them. So I definitely love them and think the ceiling's much higher. If you can't get them, you know, why not take a shot on the San Francisco 49ers? They're playing at home against the Cleveland Browns. The Browns also looked a whole lot better in their win over the Ravens in week four. But again, a team that's going to let you get after its quarterback. It's going to give you opportunities to create some havoc. And just like the Titans have been one of the surprisingly great defenses so far this season, 49ers right there as well. So they would be my second choice uh, behind the New Orleans Saints uh, as we're looking for defenses to stream this week. Like both of those calls. And I I don't think people have talked about the 49ers defense enough so far. They've been excellent. Uh, And so I I agree with that. And, and yeah, back to the saints, you know, Dallas has been putting up numbers like Tampa did, you know, against the Rams on Sunday. And then the saints just made them look like mere mortals uh, defensively. So I I would always be willing to bet on a defense that's going up against Jameis Winston, uh, you know, a defense that's playing like the saints are going up against Jameis Winston because there always seems to be uh, nice turnover potential in those situations. Yeah, given what we've seen from the Cowboys the first three weeks, there's an argument to be made that uh, that uh, what the Saints did on Sunday night was the most impressive defensive pe- performance that we've seen from a team this season. So uh, another team that we've, we we knew about the talent on that side of the ball for uh, the Saints and starting to shine through for them uh, sooner uh, rather than later. Uh, good news for them with Drew Brees uh, going to be out for at least a couple of more weeks. And that's going to do it for us, Funston, on this episode of Wire to Wire. Uh, like we said, uh, sorry if we didn't uh, give you a ton of big names, but that's just the week it is on the waiver wire. I will say, though, I am excited about Ronald Jones. Yeah, it's weird to say. Huh? Here we are. It's finally it's finally happening for Ronald Jones. We'll see. Uh, hopefully we didn't give him the kiss of death, but it's, <laughs> it's trending in a, in a positive direction for a change for Ronald Jones. Good to see. Definitely. And the one guy, if you leave this episode of Wire to Wire with anything in mind, he's the one guy that you should be aggressive on on the waiver wire this week. And perhaps Geronimo Allison, too if we learn uh, something bad about Devontae Adams' toe injury. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Mbeller. You can follow Brandon at Brandon Funston. And don't forget about that 40% off for those of you listening to this on iTunes or Spotify or any of the other free spots. 40% off an annual subscription if you go to theathletic.com 
slash wire to wire. We'll have an update to this show for subscribers only. So a little carrot to subscribe on Friday. Brandon and I will be back to you. And of course, Brandon and I will be joined by Jake Seeley on Wednesday to start getting our week five lineups in order with the ranking show. Until then, happy bidding, happy waiver placing over the next 36 hours or so. Good luck in your claims, especially if you've got one for Ronald Jones. We'll talk to you in the ranking show on Wednesday. Until then, have a great couple of days, everyone. Thanks for listening to Wire to Wire.